Welcome to episode 23 of Lime Ninja Radio. I'm your host, McKay Rippey. With us today in the studio is Aurora. Hi, everybody. And today we are interviewing Stephen Leslie. And I really enjoyed talking with Stephen. He had been treated with five-element acupuncture, which is a, my specialty. So we, there's a special bond kind of connecting us and what we believe in and taking care of patients at, uh, at the really deep level. So, Aurora, please tell us a little bit more about Stephen Leslie. Like many who suffer from chronic Lyme disease, Stephen Leslie had repeated doses of harsh antibiotics only to discover his condition was not improving, but was getting worse instead. As a result, he stepped away from Western medicine to to pursue alternative medicine and return to his roots of meditation and prayer. After many months of meditating and praying, he received a healing dream that pointed him in the direction of a treatment system, an herbal remedy combined with lifestyle and diet changes that brought his Lyme disease under control. Two years later, all traces of his chronic Lyme disease were gone. Stephen has published several books, speaks at Lyme support groups, and advocates people taking charge of their Lyme disease treatment. He believes it is possible to heal Lyme disease without the antibiotic regimes prescribed by Western medicine, and he encourages people to explore treatment options. All right. Thanks, Aurora. And here's the interview with Stephen Leslie. How are you doing? Very well, thanks. It's chilly and icy up here. Where are you calling from? I am in Deansboro, which is about uh, three miles south of Clinton, New York, okay. which is about an hour from Cooperstown. Oh, I used to live up in that area. Yes, I saw that. Yeah, oh, that's right. So we're about, um, uh, what, 15 minutes south of Utica. Kind of oh, southwest. yeah. I've been to Utica. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, so have I. <laughs> Eminently forgettable. So you probably have a lot of snow up there at this point. Yeah, you know, it's um we're we're in the snow belt. We don't quite get as much as Buffalo, thank goodness. Right. And uh just a few miles north, uh it's called the Tug Hill region, they get hammered every year, just hundreds of inches. Uh-huh. So, so we're we're on the edge. We don't get it. Uh, quite as much, but it'll, they'll, they'll go for weeks where it snows every day, two or three, three or four inches, just day after day yeah. after day. It's, it's crazy because yeah. I grew up in DC. Oh yeah. So, uh, I'm, it's, it's still winter wonderland sometimes. Yeah. I, I'm from the Washington DC area. You are. I saw you, uh, in your book, I read you went to Loyola. Yeah. Loyola College in uh, Columbia. It's from the, it's affiliated with the Loyola in Baltimore. Okay. And I used to live in Reston, Virginia. Of course. And um, the I, giant globe. <laughs> that's right, the giant globe. <laughs> and Columbia, Maryland, which is the tree of life. You know, they, that's their symbol. Yeah. Well, that's where I went to TAI, went to the Traditional Acupuncture Institute. Oh, yeah. And started in 89. When were you down there? Uh, well, I, I'm from that area. Okay. So, so when did you leave? <laughs> I, 
Uh, good question. I guess it was around 2009, 2008, somewhere around there. Okay. So fairly recently. We moved up here. Geez, I keep on forgetting. I think it was 99 when we right. moved up to way upstate. I call this way upstate as yeah. opposed to Rhinebeck and all those other downstate places. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, people in Yonkers even say they're from upstate. <laughs> It's true. <laughs> I took the right. I took the L up uptown or upstate, right, or whatever. Um, so let's jump right in. I'm going to read this quote from from your book. Right. You, you say chronic Lyme is a very difficult disease. It is smart. It can adapt, and it has defeated some of the best doctors in the field. Yep. So tell me why you wrote that. Why I wrote that? Uh, well, uh, I think the only way I survived is I had to, I had to step out of the medical system. Because at the time I, I got the disease, this is during that period when the doctors were being persecuted for treating people with Lyme. So if you dared to treat people with chronic Lyme disease, you, you stood a chance of losing your medical license. Um, and I realized that my own doctor had no idea what he was doing. And it was dangerous to take advice, medical advice from someone who didn't know what they were doing. So it was scary, but it was the only way I could have ever uh, survived. I, I didn't have um, health insurance and I, I didn't have the money to go with the very best doctors in the field. Uh, there's one, I think it's around Peekskill or something. Uh, he's, he's one of the best doctors in New York State, but it's a thousand dollars a visit cash only, no medical insurance. And, you know, if you're in treatment for three years, I can't afford a thousand dollars a visit, you know, once a month for three years. I, I just didn't have that kind of money. And so I had to find my own way. And, um, this is a, it's something that I think a lot of Lyme patients know, but, uh, the medical system has been really compromised. Um, research is no longer pure research. It's, it's, um, slanted by who's going to benefit. And it's one of the reasons as I got into it more and I talked to more people, I started to realize that it wasn't just Lyme disease that was a problem. There were other diseases that, for example, thyroid conditions. Right. Uh, there are all these people suffering with thyroid conditions and they can't get treatment or they can't get proper treatment. And the research is distorted by the finances. Uh, Lyme disease is a disease that the insurance companies do not like because it can't be treated with one simple pill for six weeks and you're ever and done. It. It, it doesn't work that way. And so, you know, they, they want to pretend that it doesn't exist. That's the truth. It's, it, you talk about the doctors being persecuted and when you were getting treatment and it's still going on. We just up in Albany, a pediatrician, one of the few pediatricians in the country who's treating childhood Lyme disease, Dr. Bavenzi was on the road to losing her license and she was able to generate enough pushback with patients and with her lawyer that the, the the state abandoned their pursuit of her license 
Uh, but it was touch and go there for, for a good two years for her. And, and all she, she wasn't even doing anything radical. She was just administering antibiotics to yep. children who were sick. Yep. And, uh, she was about to be run out of the state. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I, uh, after I recovered from Lyme disease, I started going around to the Lyme disease support groups. And the stories you hear when you do that is, it's just sickening what people have gone through uh, because of the medical ignorance about the disease. And, and maybe willful blindness as well. There's, there's ignorant physicians out there who literally don't know. They're ignorant not because they're stupid, but because right. they just don't know. And then there's the, and you talk about it, and we've had it up here in this area too, where the medical doctor next door to the veterinarian and the medical doctor said there's no Lyme disease and the veterinarian has a line out the door treating animals with Lyme disease. Right. And uh, th- that type of blinders is just... In, in consciousable, unconsciousable. I'm making well, up words here. <laughs> I think what's happened is that after the fall of the Soviet Union, one of the spoils of, of our victory was that we adopted the Soviet system of medicine. So we have this top-down system where the CDC decides everything, and the doctors just go along with what they're told. So we've take, we've disempowered the doctors. And one of the problems with Lyme disease is that the best way to determine if someone has Lyme disease is through a careful physical examination, not through a blood test, but through an examination of the symptoms, talking to someone having been bit by a tick, for example. Mm-hmm. I work in two different hospitals, uh, Ellis Hospital and Westchester Medical Center, and they don't even ask the right questions. Uh, I'll give you one example. And this is, it was a startling example. I, I was the emergency room chaplain. So what I do is I walk into the emergency room. It's usually a sea of chaos. And I walk around and I just try to see, you know, who's in need. And I was walking by this door and this lady was sitting there. She was very well dressed and she didn't seem to be in distress, but her eyes reached out to me and like she wanted to talk. So I went in with her, and I sat down with her when we were talking. I said, what brings you here? She said, well, I'm a physician here. I'm one of the department heads. And when I came to work this morning, I hit the curb three different times trying to drive here. And when I got in the office, I was unsteady, and I was unable to speak clearly to people. And my staff took me, and they said, you have to go to the emergency room. There's something wrong with you. So they brought me down here, and the doctors are running all these tests, and they cannot figure out what in the world's wrong. So she was feeling really discouraged, and she was sitting there. And um, she said, my thoughts are foggy. My joints hurt. I just don't feel myself. I feel disoriented. My sense of balance is all turned off. I said, this light bulb went off in my head. I said, has anyone in your family ever had uh, Lyme disease? Yeah. She said, oh, yeah, all three of my children had Lyme disease, and my dog has Lyme disease. I said, okay. I said, do you work outside in the garden? She said, yeah, I, I love to work in the garden. I work any time I can. As soon as I get home, I, I go out and work in the garden. Have you been bitten by a tick? She said, yeah. I, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that. I was bitten by a tick. 
did it have any kind of rash or something afterwards? Yeah, there was this big rash after after the tick bit me. Right. And I said, you might ask the doctor and see if you have Lyme disease. And she, this look of startlement went across her face. And she said, why didn't anyone ask me these questions? Right. And she's, she's the head of a department in the, in the hospital, in the emergency room. Now, afterwards, I had to say, you have to promise not to tell anyone because I would get in a lot of trouble. Right. By giving medical advice as the chaplain. And she said, okay, I understand. I, I will pretend like I just made it up myself. Yes. So, I mean, that's a perfect example of how crazy things have gotten with Lyme disease. Well, it's the, it's the whole differential diagnosis. And because Lyme disease can create so many funny symptoms, they quickly yeah. go down the path of, <clears throat> excuse me, quickly get, go down the path of anything but an infectious disease. Right. So I'm sure they were testing her up for strokes or some other neurological problem, right? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I had another friend that they put her, they diagnosed her with uh, multiple sclerosis. Yes. And another friend, they said, well, she has a heart problem. Yes. They both had Lyme disease. It turned out in the end. So it is, it is tricky. And, and you know, it's like the perfect illness mm-hmm. because it's an illness that masquerades in all kinds of symptoms. And our, our, our medical system is oriented towards symptom management. So you're with a medical system that focuses on just the symptoms. And you have a disease that can portray itself in all kinds of different ways. Yes, it definitely, I, I call it a strange attractor. There's a, 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 an idea in, or it's actually a mathematical concept, uh, that in, in this chaotic type of equations that there are these strange attractors where, uh, solutions to the problem start appearing. If you graph them, they're, they're all surround a point or several points. And it just, Lyme disease just attracts all the problems in yep. society, in families, in marriages, in healthcare, in government systems. It just blows it apart. It is, it's the perfect disease. It's the perfect disease. And it's, it's not quickly fatal. So it doesn't raise right. the level of Ebola. Exactly. You know, if we if we put an Ebola, you know, level frenzy to it, it would get fixed. Exactly. But it doesn't. It it, it just grinds people down. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it almost ground you down. Yeah. Yeah, I almost didn't make it. Yeah, it's brutal. Now, the other thing you mentioned a, a few minutes ago that I want to bring back to the surface is one of my list of things to talk to you is support groups, because you have a training as a counselor and a pastoral counselor, and you've been to a bunch of support groups, and you have what I think might be some useful criticism for support groups. Yeah, support groups for Lyme disease become very negative. And, And they, instead of holding people up, they tend to pull people down. So what do you mean by that? Well... I'll give you a perfect example. There was this lady in Pennsylvania who invited me to their Lyme disease support group. It was big. It was like 55 people. Wow. And they had this uh, hotel conference room. And they invited me to talk. 
because I was one of the few people who could show that I actually found a, a cure for, for myself from chronic Lyme disease. So in the support groups, everybody wants to focus on the doctors and the antibiotics. I said, well, that's not the way I did it. I, I got rid of my doctors and I took uh, Native American herbs. Well, that threw them for a ring right off the bat because the Lyme disease support groups, they want to always talk about which antibiotic to take and which doctor to go to. So right from the start, we didn't have a, a common ground. And then I said, if the herbs I took is only half of what was needed. I had to make severe lifestyle changes. I had to give up sugar. Uh, no alcohol. I didn't drink anyhow. Um, there's another. Oh, and no caffeine. And that means no ice cream, no chocolate, no, you know, Twinkies, no, none of, no desserts, no caffeine, no coffee in the morning, no soda with caffeine in it. And people started getting up and leaving. Did they really? And one person became so furious. He, he just was slamming things around and leaving. And, uh, and that's, that's the reaction I get. Lime rage, eh? Well, first off, if someone is alcoholic, mm. they don't want to hear that they have to give up drinking. And a lot more people are addicted to desserts and sugar, and and a lot of people are, to, are hung up on their um, caffeine, their coffee in the morning. So you're hitting three addictions, and and people just don't want to don't want to hear that they have to change their lifestyle. So I'm not a very popular invitee to Lyme support groups. They don't want to talk to me. So let's go quickly through those three addictions. So sugar, you have to cut out because why? I'm okay. Remember. If you there's a, a, a wonderful microbiologist. Her name is Dr. Holly Ahern. If you if you ever want to have another follow up interview, you should talk to her. Okay, I will. Holly O'Hearn is a microbiologist, so they, they can't take away her license for talking about microbiology. <laughs> she's, she's outside the medical system. Right. So you can get the actual truth from her without her, you know, like hedging and being afraid. And her and I have, have been talking a lot about this strange disease called Lyme. And <clears throat> Lyme, the, the Lyme is actually a complex of Viruses, parasites, and bacteria right. that that come as a package. Yep. And if you're bit by a tick, your package might be different than my package. So it might hit you in a different way, and it might have a different package of viruses and pathogens. So it could hit you. For me, it went into my lungs and went into my brain. For you, it might go into your joints. For someone else, it might go into their heart. And um, lime is fed by sugar, and sugar is in alcohol. And for some reason, caffeine also uh, stimulates the growth of, of the lime complex, and I don't understand why. Here's here's my take on caffeine or, okay. or, or coffee that I think what happens, and I – crushed my insulin resistance as a 
young person, I think. So I set myself up. But then also it might be part of getting bit by a tick as well and, and having a, a Lyme disease. But what I've noticed in taking my uh, blood sugar is when I have coffee, it spikes the blood sugar. So I think it, it, uh, stimulates the liver to release any stored glycogen there. So you can, I can be fasting and have a cup of coffee and have a very high, well, not very high blood sugar because I, I take pretty good care of myself, but it'll mm-hmm. go up into the one tens and stay there even though I haven't eaten for hours where it should be down around 80. So I think that's what's going on with the caffeine there. So it might just be another way. Of the, of feeding the, the bacteria and the viruses and releasing sugar into the bloodstream. That, and if you're a little bit insulin resistant, it doesn't get taken up in the muscles. So it's just floating around there begging to be eaten by something. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So, uh, whether that's true or not, again, like I, I'm not a doctor or a scientist, but I do prick my finger fairly often. Yeah. <laughs> did, did, did you go through an experience of Lyme disease yourself? I did. Uh, I, my story is, is fairly mild and as just dumb luck, I think. Uh, so I was down in, on the Hudson Valley and got bit and didn't feel it, didn't see the tick, came back home. At the time I was, uh, a beginner studying a little bit of Aikido and went to a Aikido class and I was the only one in the class except for a senior student and the instructor, and they just kicked my tail. And so if you've know, seen Aikido, they're just throwing you. You're just doing flips constantly, constantly. It was a hot August. We're in a small room. I got overheated, sweat, and unbeknownst to me, I was infected with, with uh, bacteria mm-hmm. and who knows what else. And so about a day and a half later, I came down with the miserable summertime flu. I hadn't felt this bad maybe ever. And I was, what was I at that point? Late thirties, something like that, mid to late thirties. Um, and after a few days of just really being miserable, I dragged myself. It was a Sunday morning. Never forget this. Dragged myself to the mirror, to the bathroom, kind of holding onto the sink. One of those deals with both hands. And I look up in the mirror and my face, I look like hell. And on my left arm is a bullseye rash. And I instantly felt better. It was the funniest thing. It's like, oh, thank goodness. It's just, I didn't know anything about it, right? But I knew enough about the bullseye rash. Oh, thank goodness. It's just Lyme disease. (laughs) So my wife and I, we get in the car, go to the local ER. The doctor says, well, you got a bullseye rash. So let's give you some antibiotics. And I'm pretty sure I only got a 10 day dose. Mm-hmm. And again, not knowing a whole lot of what was going on, I didn't know to lobby for more. Everybody who was on duty came down to see the rash because nobody had ever seen one. So mm-hmm. it was a parade of nurses and techs coming to see this bullseye rash. So I go on the antibiotics. Uh, I was already feeling better because some, you know, emotional, mental thing said, oh, we've got at least we have something to go attack and, and handle here. So I'm already feeling better. And. Afterwards, I did follow up with some acupuncture and some herbal medicine. And except for there's some funny lingering symptoms that I have, but I'm mostly functional. I never got to this point where the the bacteria took over my life. Um, my wife and I agree. I agree with her. I lost about a half an inch, three quarters of an inch of hairline. 
So that's a Chinese medicine thing. When you're attacked and you lose a lot of strength, that you're you'll lose hair or your hair will turn gray. But okay. other than that, kind of, I'm not quite as robust as I used to be. I think, um, but general, generally things are okay. But it's funny you bring that up because I tweaked tweaked my knee about two weeks ago, and there are a couple. It it didn't get better. It got worse. And so I started taking some some herbs that I give my patients for Lyme disease. Um, and that seemed to help turn the corner along with a couple other things I did. So I think it's still in there just waiting to break out. Um, so I, I take care of myself. You said patient. Are you a doctor? I'm an acupuncturist. Oh, okay. Yes. I've studied with, I don't know if you run, ran across Greg Lee. He's in Western Maryland, Fredericksburg. Yeah. He got interested in Lyme disease and has really pulled in kind of the herbal side of things and some other esoteric. My, my traditional training is insufficient to treat Lyme disease. Mm -hmm. Uh, just standard acupuncture would definitely help with the emotional side of things. Some of the, the willpower, the, the, the depression, things like that. But in terms of actually defeating the, the spirochete itself and some of the co-infections, it's, it's totally insufficient. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's done a really good job bringing in therapies from, he's willing to look at anything. He's, he's amazing that way. His background is a NASA scientist. <laughs> well, you know, the, the herbs I took were actually energy medicine. There was not very much, I don't know if you're familiar with homeopathy. Homeopathy, they, they have just a very, they have the energy of the medicine in the liquid, not the actual material. Right. And the herbal medicines I were taking had a similar approach. It was more the energy of the medicine than the actual uh, material substance of the medicine. So, so let's, yes, yeah, so, so why don't you talk about that a little bit more, your understanding of energy medicine? Let's, you you think that's an important part of taking care of Lyme? Well, uh, that's how I healed from chronic Lyme. But <laughs> when I stepped outside the system and I told the doctor why well, I just didn't go back to the doctor, my kids became really alarmed. They thought I was I was insane to not go to the doctor. But I realized that the medical system was constantly giving me bad advice. And actually, it was probably it probably saved my life to avoid the doctors while I was trying to figure out how to treat myself. And so, what I the only tools I had is I needed to listen to my own body, which is always good advice. And I had the tool of meditation, uh, and of all the things to use to treat Lyme disease that seemed like the most. Um, New agey, you know, <laughs> woo woo kind of uh, approach, but it's the only tool I had left. So I tried uh, acupuncture, and that worked for a while. And then, for some reason, it stopped working. I tried homeopathy, same thing. It worked for a while, and then it stopped working. I tried uh, hyperbaric oxygen, that didn't work at all, at least for me. Um, I, I tried traditional antibiotics. As soon as I stopped taking the antibiotics, I got sick again, so that wasn't working. So I was I was getting desperate, and so um, I turned to uh, 
my route, which was, uh, I had, at that point, I had 25 years of experience as a meditator. Mm-hmm. And I was trained by a Swami from India. So I just started, I found this mantra, and I started using the mantra intensively. Uh, it, the mantra was Om Shri Dan Van Tre Namaha. And what it was asking, it was asking the divine for guidance. I was just asking for guidance. I wasn't asking for healing, just some, some kind of hint. And um, I did that intensively hundreds and hundreds of times a day. And then after four months, I had this dream um, that I was on this rickety school bus, like an old American school bus that was now being driven by uh, natives in Peru in the mountains. <coughs> and we're bouncing over these rocky roads and and there were goats and chickens and pigs and luggage everywhere and, and uh, the women had these bowler caps and these little ponchos and this little native boy came up to me and he handed me these beads and he said these are beads of solitude and I took them and then he handed me these herbs and he said uh, these are herbs from Peru. And I woke up and I thought, wow, this is great. I have an answer. This, this is like, I realized this is like the answer to all of these prayers, four months of praying for some kind of guidance. But then I had second thoughts and I realized that it was a little bit too vague. <laughs> herbs from Peru, it doesn't really narrow it down. Not much. too much. So I went back. I went back into this practice. I started doing the prayers over and over again. I mean, I was, you have to be pretty desperate when all you have left is prayer. There's nothing left. My medical, uh, the medical people had told me I should just uh, apply for permanent disability and um, just uh, basically call it quits. Right. I wasn't going to go that route. And so for two more months, two or three more months, I started doing that, kept doing the healing mantra. And this magazine fell open with an ad in it um, to a doctor who openly advertised that he treated chronic Lyme's disease. Mm. At that time, was pretty brave. And so I went to him. He said he charges $350 a visit, cash only, no health insurance. Right. And I was unemployed. I had been, been fired from my job, and my wife had left over because of this disease. So and no support and no employment and no income but i was desperate and so i paid him the 350 dollars. he gave me an exam he was really a good doctor he he noticed that uh i was having problems with balance and said that my inner ear was affected by the lyme disease mm-hmm. and he gave me all these pamphlets and brochures on the lyme disease and then he reached in his drawer and pulled out this little brown bottle and he handed it to me he said these are herbs from Peru. I want you to take them. <laughs> and then that's crazy. It, like the hair on my neck stood up. I yeah. realized that everything had come together into this moment. The, the doctor left his practice after that. I never saw him again. But he gave me. Uh, you can get the herbs without a prescription, and I stayed on them for two years. And uh, eventually, a little at a time, very slowly, the symptoms all disappeared. So, which is this Sambuca? Which herb is this? 
it was a it was a a group of herbs. Okay, uh, a mixture. Tomato, uh, vanilla, fumando, and there was one other. Um, there, you can go to the site that sells it called Nutramedics. Okay. And um, the FDA has cracked down on them. They can't. They can't even talk about um, the right. protocol for treating yourself. But if you look up the Calvin C O W D E N Calvin protocol, it, it goes into a lot of detail on how to use the herbs. Basically, what you're doing is you're outfoxing the Lyme because you're hitting it with a new antibiotic every two weeks. Right. And so it never gets to stabilize and adapting to any one antibiotic. Yeah. That seems to be a key. Yeah, that's a key. Yep. So, Stephen, thanks. You've been very generous with your time. I want to give you a chance to um, to wrap up if there's anything else that, that you want to say uh, that I haven't asked about. Now, yeah. Now's the chance. I want to say to those people who have chronic Lyme disease, no matter what your doctors tell you, what, no matter what your Lyme support group tells you, you, you can be healed. That's beautiful. Okay, you're welcome. What? Stephen Lovesley said about support groups reminded me of another conversation that you had on an earlier podcast with your with your acupuncture teacher about with Jack Daniel with Jack Daniel yeah. about uh, needing to sometimes needing to divorce yourself from Western oh, medicine. Right. Yeah. It it sounds like uh, when he was talking about the support groups that they were still in the unhappy marriage part of their relationship. <laughs> yeah, it, it can be tough because on one hand, you need to be able to express yourself fully. On the other hand, it can be get stuck in a circular cycle while all you're doing is complaining. And the other thing is sometimes people aren't ready to hear about alternatives. They're, they're, they're still trying to figure out uh, – from the paradigm in which they're they're already stuck to or wedded to, and that's that can be okay. The problem is when you get stuck in the paradigm and you need to quote unquote think outside the box. And at that point, you need to be open to hearing other things. But it's interesting what he had to say uh, in his book, especially. I think in his book he goes a little bit more detail about the two edged sword that support groups can be. They can be very uplifting and they can save your life, but they can also drag you down too. So I think it's important that if you are in a support group, that you make sure you're getting out of it more than you're putting into it. Fair enough. All righty. So if you have feedback from us, you want to talk about support groups, send us an email or you can leave a comment below if you're on the website. And the feedback email is? Feedback at LimeNinjaRadio.com. And our Facebook is? Just LimeNinjaRadio.com. Right. And the website, I meant to say, is? Oh, LimeNinjaRadio.com. I'm sensing a theme here. Someone must have had a master plan when they named all this <laughs> stuff. 
And you can subscribe to us at iTunes. Make sure you don't miss an episode that way. And Stitcher and, too. And Stitcher too. Yep. Can't forget the Stitcher. Don't forget Stitcher. Nope. And check back with us next week. We're going to interview a very interesting young woman. Her she goes by a nom de plume. She wants to stay anonymous. Her uh, her blog is uh, named Misdiagnoses, and she has some interesting wit about her and her writing, and she also is a cartoonist. So after interviewing Dave Skidmore, it's fun to find another another cartoonist who has a take on Lyme disease and uh, add some humor to this whole subject. And lastly, Aurora, have you been researching ninjas this week? We have indeed. So what's today's ninja fact of the day? Ninjas can make lemonade out of apples. Ninja Radio is a purely public broadcast and is not intended to be personalized medical advice for any individual's specific situation. Each individual's medical situation is unique, and Lime Ninja Radio should not be relied upon and or considered as personalized medical advice. Lime Ninja Radio is not licensed to render medical advice and should be considered simply the public opinion of Lime Ninja Radio and its guests. Recommendations on specific treatment options are not intended to address any listener's particular medical situation. As always, contact your physician before considering any new treatment.